for a year Whatever and a day The radio and the telephone and the movies that we know Hey, good morning everyone. Thanks so much for being here today at Solace Church. This is week three of our series called no matter what, and we're talking about what it looks like to have a no matter what kind of love in the priority relationships of our life. The ground we've covered so far, if you haven't been here, we've talked about the marriage relationship and what it looks like to have a covenant relationship with our spouse, even through the difficult times. We also talked about what it looks like to have a, 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 a no matter what kind of love in relationship to a mom and dad and a child, and also what it looks like for a child to have a no matter what kind of love for a parent. And we talked about those two incredibly important relationships that are in our lives. And if you missed either of those messages, you can go online and check them out at solacechurch.com or we post them on Facebook. You're welcome to look at our Solace Church Facebook page as well. Let's talk today about, about the friendship relationship. So I want to make a, just a distinction for a moment about the difference between a marriage relationship, a parent-child relationship, and today's conversation about friendships because there's significant difference. In the marriage relationship, we are bound by a covenant. And a covenant says, I'm going to do for you even if you don't do for me. I'm going to offer value to you even if you may not keep up your end of the bargain. So a covenant relationship says, I'm staying and I'm giving, uh, and we talked about this last week, no matter what. Now, Jesus, of course, gives us uh, in Scripture some reasons uh, or a reason for divorce. But uh, if you missed that message, you can watch it online. But covenant relationship exists in a marriage. The covenant does not exist in the child-parent relationship, although we certainly have a, an agape, no matter what kind of love, for our children, or at least it's assumed that we would. But it doesn't necessarily exist in a covenant like the marriage does. But it's important, and Scripture calls us to a no matter what kind of love, even with a child-parent relationship. And remember, we talked about what it looks like, moms and dads, to love our children in these years of development as they, uh, as they grow out of one season and into another. And we also talked about what it looks like for a child to honor mom and dad, even if they're not uh, uh, living up to what we, we think they should be in terms of adulting, right? They're not being the adult. Maybe we have to be. Well, the friendship relationship is unique in the priority relationships in our lives. I would say to you that the husband and wife relationship is the priority relationship on earth in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of uh, this life-giving relationship. The, the priority relationship we have ultimately is with God. But the marriage is set aside, uh, set aside as a priority relationship. The child-parent relationship is another priority relationship. But I would say to you that friendships, close friends, are also a priority relationship within our lives. What I want to do for the next couple of minutes is I want to help you understand the, the value of these relationships and what scripture says about maintaining or remaining in the life-giving relationships that God calls us to. But there is a difference between husband and wife, mom and dad, child relationship, and friendship relationships. There is no covenant in scripture that binds us to friendship relationships. Actually, as we'll see, sometimes we need to end some friendships, end some relationships. But once you find those priority friendships that are life-giving, Church, we recognize that they are worth holding on to. They're worth doing the work of repair when they become dysfunctional or when they break down. And I want to I focus in today on those relationships. When you think about friendships, 
uh, there's a lot of different layers to that, right? Jesus himself is a good picture of, of all the different friendship relationships that exist. He, he spoke to and interacted with large crowds of people to the tune of thousands of people all at the same time on some occasions. He also had uh, hundreds of people that followed him around. They were considered disciples. But Jesus hand-selected 12. And then he also, even from those 12, hand-selected three, which were called his inner circle. Jesus surrounded himself with three guys that he did almost everything with. He got away with them, and he had conversations with them that he didn't have with anyone else. There was this mutually beneficial, life-giving relationship. Of course, Jesus provided way more life than it ever was this direction. But this, this inner circle of people that Jesus surrounded himself with. And I would say to you, that's a lot like friendship relationships in our life. Now, uh, personality drives some of this, but some of you are like me. You uh, have never met a stranger, just, just your next best friend that you haven't been introduced to yet. Anyone like that in the room? Like, anywhere you go, you're going to meet someone new and you're going to interact with them. And, hey, if you're married to someone like, someone like that, it drives you nuts. Because when you go to any public forum or party or events, they kind of leave you behind so they can meet everyone else in the room. And you're just stuck out there going, oh, I don't really meet anybody. I don't like people. I want to be by myself, right? Some of you are like that. Some of you in the room, some of us in the room, our personalities would be like, you know what? I don't need everybody in the world to be my friend, but I need a one. I need two. I need three. Maybe a few more than that, but I need some people that are close to me, right? So whether you're the one that says, I want to meet everyone in the world, or whether you say, I just need a couple... I want to focus in on those ones that we would call those inner circle relationships. All right, now, you have people in your life that you're not married to or not your parent or, parent or child, and they have influence in your life. There's a group of people around you, and they have influence in your life. When they speak into your life, you're going to be persuaded by what they say. You may not do it but they're influential in your life. Let's talk for a moment about those individuals. If you're writing things down as we consider this this morning, I would say that all of us need to, need to consider this, that we need to choose our friends carefully. Before we talk about doing life in this life-giving relationships, these priority relationships, I think we need to stop for a moment and say, do I have the right people in the room? Do I have those people surrounding me that, I, that are influential, that are life-giving, or do, not, do I need to consider maybe a different group of people? Scripture could not be more clear that there are some people that should not be influential in our lives. There are some people that we should actually get out of our lives in terms of, uh, of, of close friendships because it's not life-giving. This is what Scripture says. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 33, it says this. Paul says this. Do not be, mis- be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. There are some of us in the room right now that there are some people in your life, in our lives, they are influencing us towards decisions that are destructive for our lives, for our families, for our careers, or whatever it is. You've been hanging out with them, you've been doing life with them, and it is toxic. And it's very likely that God, through His Spirit, would be asking you to leave that relationship because it's corrupting your character. I know this is the way it works. You know, we harp, we preach to teenagers, choose your friends wisely. And it is a teenager message for sure, no doubt. You need to be very careful because as you associate with certain people, your reputation oftentimes is attached to that group of people. But adults, we need to hear this as well. 
Sometimes we go through this season in our lives where we, you know, we, we are the rebellious teenager or the rebellious 20-something, and we justify that because we're outside the home. I'm not justifying it, and I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying this is what we do in our minds. But oftentimes we go through those periods of rebellion and we just let those friendships linger on. And we continue to do the same thing over and over and over again into our 20s and 30s and 40s. And we don't get rid of those things ultimately, or those, those friends ultimately, that are harmful to us. So my first question would be, is there someone in your life that's bringing you into patterns that are destructive and are ultimately not God-honoring? Maybe you need to separate yourself from those people. Maybe you need to have a conversation. You can be respectful, you can be appropriate, but maybe you just need to take a step back away from that circle. Bad company corrupts good character. Also, Scripture says this. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, the NIV doesn't do us full justice here, so let me give you what the Scripture is saying. Scripture is saying that there are certain people who run quickly to relationships because they have a high need to be connected or a high need to feel like they are involved and included, and that is actually very detrimental. If you're the kind of person that thrives on like attention or affirmation and you need a whole lot of people in your life telling you all that, you can get yourself in a whole lot of trouble by running to friendships and attaching yourself too quickly and not doing the vetting process of making sure that they're people you ought to be connected with. And Proverbs says, don't run quickly to many friendships, but rather find those people that will stick with you closer than your own family would. Those are the kinds of people that you want to go do life with, that'll run with you and give life to you in this process. Scripture also says this, in Proverbs chapter 22, verses 24 and 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. Here's why. Or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. You know what this, this verse means? Have you ever been out with someone and you thought, oh my gosh, we're getting ready to fight? There are some people that are very quick-tempered. And you go into certain environments with them, and they are, just, they are just offended very quickly, and they are easily angered and easily riled up. And you know this, man, when you get with them, and if you go out with them or you go hang with them, it's very likely that they may be riled up, and you may have to defend them, and you may feel like, I'm getting ready to go fight with this person. That's not the kind of association that you want to have in your life, right? <laughs> Think about this, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's Saturday night. I'm about to go to jail, and I've got to go to church on Sunday. Ugh. <laughs> right? Proverbs calls us away from that pattern into a different life. Now, on the other side, if there are those that we ought to stay away from, we ought to separate ourselves from, there's also those that we ought to be connected with. And Proverbs makes this clear as well. In, verse, in chapter 13, verse 20, for instance, Proverbs says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, you surround yourself with someone who, get, who has a godly perspective and has godly wisdom, and they are life-giving to you. You grow from their wisdom, and you become wise because you are with them. It's a life-giving relationship. And also, and this one you've heard many, many times before, Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You want to be around people. You want those who are influencing you to be people who sharpen you when you're in their presence. That they don't dull you down with worldly standards and worldly wisdom. They sharpen you because they are pointing you towards Christ. By the way, on that note, in your inner circle, if you're a Christ follower, I'm going to highly encourage you not to have someone in your close inner circle who is not passionately pursuing Christ as well. 
right? It doesn't mean you have to not associate with people who aren't Christians. You absolutely should be connected with those who aren't Christ followers. But in your tight inner circle, you collectively, anyone in that circle needs to be pursuing Christ so you can sharpen one another in that process. Now, one of the things I want to say here, because I, I, I'm mildly concerned that in a message like this, you might get the, get the idea that I'm saying withdraw from the world, right? And I'm actually not saying that at all. I think Christians ought to be very much in the world and influence in the world with the light that comes through us through Christ. So be light shining into darkness. I'm just saying in those closest to you, make sure you're careful about who those are. Are we clear? Okay. So let's assume for a moment that we've done the work of making sure that we're surrounding ourselves with those people. One, two, three, whatever it is, four, whatever that number is for you. That you have those, th- those people in your life. Let's assume you've done the work of, of, of getting rid of those relationships that aren't life-giving ultimately. And now you've found those people. And you start to do life with them. Or you're continuing to do life with them. Here's your truth. You ready? Even in these critical best friend or close friend relationships, along the way, there's going to be difficulties. There is no such thing as a friendship that just always perfectly works forever. All right? If you have that friendship, I would say, bull, there's a whole lot you guys have not talked about, all right? There's a whole lot of stuff you're hiding from one another. The truth is, is when you do life with people, we are sinful people, we're broken, and we make mistakes, and we mess up, and it damages the relationship at some different level. And if you're going through that right now, one of the things that we wrestle with, and there's probably two different camps of people in the room today, so let me just talk to you for a moment. You know, there's some of us in the room who would say, well, look, if you, if you, if you make me mad, if this doesn't work out, fine, you can go find some other friends. I'm done with you, right? You're dead to me. There's some of us in the room who give up very quickly, even on relationships that have been life-giving in the past. And I would say to you that if you're a kind of person who just likes to, you know, hey, listen, if this is not working out, tough for you, I'll go find someone else. I would encourage you not to give up so quickly on relationships that are life-giving as we've talked about. Those are worth doing the hard work of repairing. Most of the time, it's about repairing the relationship as opposed to giving up. There's another group of people in the room, and you are, like me, you are people-pleasers, So if you feel any tension or anxiety or uncomfortableness in the relationship, you are panicked constantly. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm not sure if they like me or not. They haven't called me in seven minutes and I don't know if I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And oh my gosh, I don't know if we're perfectly fine. And are we okay? You're constantly anxious and worried about the relationship. If it is a life-giving relationship, rest a little bit. Don't freak out and panic just because something's not perfectly okay. God is very much at work. And if you're both pursuing Christ, you don't have to panic because a moment is not perfect in that relationship. Be willing to relax a little bit and embrace the fact that every relationship at some point needs to have some healing. That's okay. So Colossians chapter 3 is a great passage of Scripture. For the next couple of minutes, can I just walk with you through this text? Because this passage, while not exclusively exclusively written for the friendship relationship, there is no doubt the friendship relationship is, is front and center in the conversation. So if you have your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3, you can go on your phones or whatever you use. I want to look at this passage of Scripture, right? So Colossians chapter 3, verse number uh, 12 is where I want to start. So Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, is writing to Christians, and he says this, Therefore, okay, stop. At Solace Church, anytime we see the word therefore in this text, we're going to find out what it's You three people, I love. (laughs) Awesome. That's exactly right. 
We have a saying around here. It's a great saying. Anytime you see the word therefore, go back up into scripture and find out why someone would say therefore. That means I just told you something important. Now let me tell you something that connects with that. So what has Paul just said in the first 11 verses of Colossians chapter 3? Basically he says this, that we ought to set our minds on Christ where he is seated in the heavenly realms, that we are hidden with Christ in God. That is, God has, that Christ has insulated us and he is our protector. And that because Christ has been raised from the dead and we've been raised from the dead, that we should put off our old self and that we should put on our new selves. That we should no longer live in the patterns of this world. Last month's message. But we should live in new patterns. All right, now. He, he concludes this first section in verse 11 by saying, or verse 10 and 11 by saying, hey, just, just so we're clear, that in Christ, I mean, there's not division. We're not Jew or Gentile. We're not slave or free or male nor female. We are one in Christ. He's bringing Christians together to do life together. We're not all divided into subgroups and subtitles, but we're doing, we're called brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, that's the picture now of this priority friendships that I have, this inner circle of people, and how I'm going to do life with him. Now, now watch the text. Therefore, because all that's true, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe. This Greek word means to put on, to, to carry with you. That it is the conduct, the way in which you generally act. Clothe yourself with compassion. This, word's, this word has the idea of understanding where someone else is coming from. Now, think about this, though. Think about this. In those critical relationships that you have, isn't it likely the case that you just get one another, and that's why you're connected like you are? I get that sometimes, you know, two kids grow up together from the birth, and they're born next door and two hours apart, and they're just always friends forever. But generally speaking, relationships develop over time where you sit down with someone, and you start sharing part of your story, and the guy across you says, dude, I can get that. I understand what you're talking about. I went through that. And you look at you, and he's like, someone else gets me? Whoa. That's amazing. You get me and I get you. And so there's this compassion that connects us together from the very beginning, that draws us together. There's like-mindedness. I get you and you get me, right? This is part of that critical inner circle. It also has to do with kindness. This is a great, this is a great word in the Greek language. It means to add value or to be beneficial to someone else. In other words, it means that when I'm with you and that when you're with me, that it is life-giving. That when I spend time with you, my life is enriched because I've been in your presence. It's not just like fluffy words. Oh, how are you doing today? Is everything great? It's really, really good. It's a great day. No. It's, it's, this, it's this inner core where when I'm in your presence, I'm going to be beneficial to you because I love you. Right? And you're the same to me in this relationship. It's a kindness. It's an enrichment to life because we're connected together. So I get you, and I'm going to add value to your life when I'm in your presence, and you're going to add value to my life when, I, uh, when, when I'm in your presence. And then there's humility. This is good. You know what this means? It, it really means that I don't have to make myself puffed up in front of you, that I can just be the real me with you, and that I'm not trying to one-up you or compete against you. That, that I can just be myself and you can be yourself. There's no pride. There's no ego. One of the things that's interesting about life, and you know this, when you celebrate something in your life, something good's happened in your life, a promotion, a new house, a new car, whatever it is, isn't it good to have a couple of people around you that will truly rejoice with you because things are going right? Because most people in the world don't like that you're succeeding. The fact that there's some people in your life that really celebrate, legitimately love the fact that, you're, that God is doing a great work in your life, those are life-giving relationships, right? When you post something or text something uh, on, you know, to your friend and they give you all like 
15 of these hands together or hands up here like this, right? Those are the kinds of people, kind of inner circle kind of people, right? They're life-giving. There's no need to make a name for myself. There's no need for us to compete. It's just me and you. I get you, you get me. We're adding value to one another, and I'm just the real you, and I'm just the real me, and you're just the real you. Gentleness. It's this idea that when we're together, that, that, that there is a tenderness. Oh, I just lost most of the guys. Okay, so i got to get them back. All right. Hold on. There is this quietness that we can just be together. We don't have to get all worked up and overblown. That's how most of my life looks. But when I'm with you, man, there's just a settledness, unanxiousness. Think about this, fellas. It's just you and your buddy out in a duck blind or out hunting for whatever it is, and you're just there, and you don't have to talk. You don't have to talk. You know, you're riding in a car. You don't have to say a word. You're just together, right? I know God, women do not get that at all. I get that. Like, you didn't talk for 45 minutes? How are you friends, right? Well, we're just here. We're just doing this life together, right? It's just, oh, it's just unanxiousness. Oh, it's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the picture of us just doing life together, unanxious, gentleness. Patience is a good word as well. This means, this Greek word means emotionally calm when the world is freaking out around you. This is a great friend. When something's gone terribly wrong in your life and they're like, I got you, it's okay, I'm with you, you don't have to freak out, I'm going to pray for you, here's, here's what we can do, here's what we can think through, I'm going to give you a hug, I'm going to give you a long hug, fellas, I'm going to give you a one-hand hug, whatever that looks like for you, right? Don't freak out, don't panic, it's the stabilizing sense that this person brings to the relationship. You see the power of that? Now, now just, just stop for a moment. Do you long for that? I mean, isn't that so life-giving? It's a great picture of how we ought to conduct ourselves in these priority relationships, all right? So now, now, Paul gives us this, but he also gives us verse 13, which is necessary in friendship relationships because as Paul gives us this picture of what friendships should look like, he also understands that there's going to be a moment of breakdown, so as you're doing this, this should, be the, this should be the norm, but it doesn't always work this way. That's why verse 13 is so important in the story. Now, Paul says those things, verse 12, should be true, but, 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 things aren't always going to go well. So, so here's what you should do, verse 13. You should bear with one another. This, this phrase in the Greek means to endure, to put up with. This is good. That means I'm celebrating when the times are good and this is life-giving, and I'm staying when this gets difficult. I'm not running out like every other relationship might have looked like. I'm not leaving when we are at odds. I'm staying put because you and I are connected in the Spirit, and we're not leaving this relationship easily. Now, is there ever a time to separate yourself from those life-giving priority relationships? I would say the answer may be yes at some point, but it shouldn't be quickly, and it shouldn't be easily. It ought to be terribly painful to leave those priority relationships that we're talking about, right? 
bear with one another, and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. This Greek word is highly favored. That's a powerful word. That is, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to reconcile with you because I highly favor this relationship. Forgiveness is not just I'm going, to, I'm going to move on from the brokenness. Forgiveness is I'm highly favoring you and I long for us to be okay again. Right? That's a great picture. I want us to be okay so I'm willing to go through the process of being okay. Now, here may be the most practical information you hear all message long. All right? <clears throat> there are some ladies in the room right now and you showed up to Solace Church today for that phrase, almost exclusively. You have been harboring some anger or bitterness or resentment for some time in one of these priority relationships, and God through his spirit today is asking you to highly favor that bestie, that friend, that person in your life, and he's asking you to step into the, t- into the, into the space of forgiveness. Right. Now, some of you need to get in a room, one-on-one, and have the conversations necessary for reconciliation. All right, don't text this information. You can't say, "Uh, I'm okay, and you're okay, and we're good, good, and you can have big hug arms around there. That didn't work, all right? You can't restore relationships through text messaging. It does not work. Get in a room, look at one another, cry your eyes out, do one of those big old hugs, man. State your problems, state your issues, and be willing to offer forgiveness and be willing to offer uh, an apology if necessary. Work through those issues. Highly favor them. Why? Because, and by the way, it's whatever. This word, whatever it is. That's not like, that's not like I'm going to pick and choose. It's whatever the problem is, be willing to talk it through, right? Why? Because God has forgiven you. Because God has highly favored you. Don't you know that this is the picture of the cross the world desperately needs to see? That the church reconciles with one another? That we're reconciled to God this way, so we are reconciling ourselves to one another this way. It is the cross. And it is the picture of us doing life together. And so, forgive. Because we are forgiven. All right, just for a couple of more minutes. And I wish I had more time for this, but I don't. But I want to take you through the next couple of verses just so that you can see the conclusion of the matter. In verse 14, and over all these virtues put on agape, unconditional, no matter what kind of love. Do you know why? Because this kind of love binds all of that that we just said together in perfect unity. That is to say, when you start with this, that we're going to do this no matter what, that you'll act like verse 12 and 13 together. Verse 15, this is what scripture goes on to say. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. The idea here is what Paul is saying is that the peace of God ought to reign in your heart in these priority relationships. In other words, your heart should be submitted to Christ first so that you can do all the work of repair or restoration necessary to make the the relationship work, right? If you are here today and you are anxious in your heart and you are worried and you are overcome with fear and anxiety and it has to do with these relationships, there is something going on on the inside that needs to be right with God first so that you can carry this out. This is a moment where you and God need to get by yourself where he can say this is what needs to be fixed, this is what's out of balance so that he can restore the peace in your life so you can go do the work you need to do. All right, now, let's assume all that's in place. 
Let me tell you something really cool that's an outflowing of all this work that happens in the relationship. Verse 16, this is what Paul concludes. He says, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word here, dwell in, is literally to house, to house in, to take up residence in, dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. You know what Paul just said to us? Paul says, in these relationships, we have all this work. Here's the really cool thing that takes place. Paul says, let the word of God richly dwell within you. That is, make reading the word of God a priority in your life. Do you know why? Because when you open up God's word and your relationships are dysfunctional and you read about reconciliation and forgiveness and all of this stuff, it draws you to do that. When it is housed in you, then it's a mirror into your life to begin to respond to that. Not only that, this is the greatness of these priority friendship relationships. You know what you can do once the word of God is housed in you? Then you can begin to teach and admonish. You know what that looks like? When your friend comes to you, this priority relationship comes to you, and they say, oh, my gosh, my marriage is messed up. You don't say, well, girlfriend, you should just run away. You say, well, let's go to God's Word. And let's see what it has to say. Oh, man, my boss is driving me crazy. I can't can't stand working for this guy any longer. Well, let's go to Scripture and see what it says about being in an environment where you can't stand the work that you're doing, right? Not only that, when the word of God is dwelling in you, you can admonish. This word is powerful. It means this. It means to caution against an action that would lead to destruction or to harm. You know what happens when, your friend, when, you, when you're interacting with your friends? Sometimes they want to do stupid. They just do. Some, we're broken people. Sometimes we want to mess it up. And those priority relationships, friendships around you, when you're going down that path and you guys have some conversations and you start having those conversations or you start saying some things you shouldn't say or you start going down a path you shouldn't go to, these, these friendships can look at you. These friends can look at you and go, whoa, 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 that's dumb. That's dumb. The reason why I know it's dumb is because I read God's word this morning. It says that's dumb. Don't do dumb. Don't do dumb. It's going to cost you. See the power of that? Man, oh my gosh. Church, if, if, if every single person in this room had this, do you know how enriched our lives would be? Do you know how enriched the church would be? Do you know how enriched the community would be? Do you know how enriched the school would be, your workplace would be? Oh my goodness, how powerful that would be. So here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to close. There's about one of three possibilities, and it probably applies to every single one of us in the room. As you look at this text, three things jump out at me. Number one, some of us in the room need to let go of some friendships that are not priority, that that have been not life-giving. And in 2017, maybe the greatest thing you can do for yourself or your family is to get a couple of people in your life that look just like this. Some of it, that that may be the only work you need to accomplish in terms of relationship this year so that God can begin to order some things in your life about these priority relationships. Number two, there's some people in the room, and and quite honestly, you you just need to work on repairing that dysfunction in that friendship is costing you sleep. It's costing you anxiety and worry and fear. And you just need to go through the process of allowing God to restore that. You need to go have those conversations. The third person in the room, if you're not being this kind of friend that we've talked about, then, then, then if you have influence in other people's life, this third person, you might just need to get maybe some things in order in your own life and begin acting like this in the friendship. So, I want us to pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?
Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.